is John Ross. I asked my dad if I could be a part of the show, and all he did was give me this to read. Welcome to the Always Believe in You show with your host, Damon K. Ross. Please enjoy the show. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world. You are listening to the Always Believe in You show right here on 21.6 The Net, your daily dose of encouragement. So today is a very different show than all the rest. I know I've said that a number of times, but today truly is. Reason being is that I do not have a guest for today. I am your guest. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because when I first started the show, I initially thought I would do the first episode as myself, just explaining who I am, why I chose to do what I'm doing, how the show came to be about, and all of those wonderful things. But I was advised to not do that as the inaugural show. However, I should wait and do a few shows, get a few under my belt, and then introduce myself. So with this being the 10th show, I figured why not do it today? So I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. Uh, Don't like doing that, not really comfortable doing that, but I do think it is important for the listening audience, which is you, and I appreciate you greatly, for you to know who I am, know my story a little bit, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and what led me to being in this place. Now, one thing I do want to really stress and talk about before I get into the who's, what's, and why's of Damon K. Ross, just really want to talk to you all out there who are listening to understand that this mission of mine is to really provide a service for other people, particularly youth and young adults, because that's where my heart lies. That's where my passion is. I'm very passionate about working with youth, about encouraging youth, and uh, about helping them to see the value in themselves and for them to be able to look in the mirror and always believe in you, which is my motto. I also have a really strong desire to help those that work with and care for the youth as well. For a couple of reasons. One is because those of us in the position that are working with youth and young adults, we need motivation as well. We need encouragement as well. We need some know-how as well. So it's not all about the youth because if we're the ones that are influencing the youth, then it makes a whole lot of sense that we should be equipped to do so in the right manner, with the right spirit, with the right attitude in order to provide the best possible service, the best possible care for these youth and young adults. So that's why my mission is what it is, because if I feel like if everybody can feel like they believe in themselves, if everybody can see the value in themselves, it only makes us all that much better and stronger. So continue to listen to the show. I appreciate you. Please share Uh, go to my YouTube page. The YouTube channel is up. I've been saying for weeks now that it's going to be up. It is up and running. So I have the very first interview posted on there, and that's the ABIY show. So if you go to YouTube, type in ABIY show, one word, it'll come to the page. Please subscribe to the page and check out the first video, like and share it. Share, 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 because this is uh, what I'm using to help you the caring adults, give you something that you can show and share with 
the youth and young adults that you work with. So again, I appreciate you. I thank you for taking the opportunity to listen, for taking the opportunity to care, you know, which is what it's all about for those of us who are caring adults is the care and the love that we share for the youth in our lives, the youth that we work with, that we're able to touch on a consistent and daily basis. It is very important that we have that caring peace within us. And, you know, it's, I, I actually did a, a speech about that where I talked about caring and sharing uh, several years ago at a family reunion of mine. And it was just, it was funny how it came about, but I really like focus on the caring and sharing piece. You want to care, show your care for the youth, and you want to share your experiences, share your love, share your time with them because it's very important. But so I met my family reunion back in 2014 because my aunt called me and she's like, hey, Damon, I hear you getting into motivational speaking. Love to have you come speak at the reunion because we got some young people that could really benefit from a, a positive message. So I was like, okay, fine. So we worked it out. I ended up going up there and I had my mind set up. I was going to talk about the topic that I usually talk about, which is don't let your current circumstances dictate your future. So as I'm sitting there, we're there at the meet and greet at the hotel in one of the conference rooms. And I just got this feeling in my gut. It's like, ah, that's not the talk, not the talk, which is crazy in and of itself because here I am, an amateur. Like, I'm not a professional at this. I'm an amateur who has something already in place, and I'm thinking I need to change on the fly. Like, who does that? Certainly not a novice, certainly not a beginner. But I just had something in my spirit saying that's not the message to share. So I'm sitting there and I'm racking my brain, and you know, looking back on it, I wish I would have just stuck with what I had because I missed a great opportunity to engage with some of the family members, because this is a part of my family that I really don't know very well. So it was a great opportunity for me to engage, but I was in a different place because I'm thinking, what can I say for my message? I don't know. So time goes on. My dad comes up and says, hey, can you take me to the store? We need to get some more items because we're running out of uh, food, running out of plates and things of that nature. So I had to go upstairs and grab my keys. So my son comes along with me, who's four years old at the time. So, of course, I use my supreme wisdom in figuring out what topic, what do I need to talk about? So I turned to my son and I said, John, what should dad talk about tomorrow? Without hesitation, my son said, superheroes. Dude, what can I do with that? I can't talk about superheroes. So I said, you know. I'm going to ask you again. Now, I'm talking to my four-year-old son as if he understands and knows what the heck is going on here. He doesn't. He just knows he gets to stay in the hotel because he loves to do that. Don't know why. Kind of weird. But anyway, so I asked him again. I was like, no, John, really, what should daddy talk about tomorrow in his speech? Again, without hesitation, superheroes. You're no help, son. So, again, my mind just continues to go and go and go. So we end up, you know, going to the store, getting stuff, coming back. And while I'm sitting in the conference room during the meet and greet, I look at the sign and the slogan for the reunion is caring and sharing. Bingo. That's it. So now I've got my topic. So I very 
quickly within my mind. And once I got back to the room, was able to sit down and jot a little bit. Wasn't the best speech I've ever given, but I received an enormous amount of applause from from the group. Now, again, you're thinking, okay, this is family, but you know there were people who really were touched. Like they said, this was really a, a great speech. You really hit it on the head. But the thing that uh, the reason I'm talking about this is because when I talked about the caring and sharing, I was able to tie in superheroes because superheroes are caring and sharing. That's what they do. They have enormous and extraordinary gifts. And then we can get into the debate about those that don't have these gifts, uh, those superheroes like Batman who uses technology. There's fights going on between the, the comic world as far as what's a real superhero and what's not. But for the sake of argument, these superheroes, whether they use technology or they have superpowers, they use their gifts, whatever they may be, in a very caring manner. They share their talents, they share their time, they share their energy, and they display great caring by saving us mere mortals from danger. Why do I talk about that? Because you as a caring adult, you are a superhero in the lives of many of the youth that you work with. A lot of them or some of them don't have the family structure at home. They don't have the wonderful connections outside of school. So you become that connection for them. You become that superhero who cares and shares. And it's very important that we understand that that superheroes are not necessarily those that have extraordinary powers, but they're those who can care and share when it seems like a person doesn't deserve to have it. And oftentimes us as caring adults, whether you're an educator, parents, grandparents, youth group leader, whatever the case may be, when you're in a position and you're able to give to these young people and care and show caring and share your time and your wisdom and your knowledge and information with them, you become a superhero in a lot of their minds, in a lot of their eyes. They see you as that superhero. So don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever look at what you're doing as a waste of time. Sometimes we don't necessarily see the results that we're looking for right away. We want to see the immediate gratification of seeing that student turn over a new leaf. A lot of times it's not going to happen, or it may happen very slowly when they're with us in our presence. But just know that when you're planting those seeds and when you're caring and sharing and you're giving to the lives of these youth and young adults, it means the world to them. And you are a true superhero in their eyes. They may not tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. Anybody that takes the time to really give and really care and really put in the time and provide the discipline and provide a different perspective and a way of thinking and provide a listening ear to a student, to a young person that needs it, you are very valuable. Your lives are important. What you're doing is important. And it means the world to somebody. So don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't start to feel any despair when you're not seeing the results that you would like to in the time frame that you would like to. It's it's so important that you just continue to sow the seeds because it'll come back to you. 
a lot of you have heard me talk often about working at the school. And one of the things that I love about it is that our principal, uh, Dr. Doug Bolton, oftentimes when we have our staff meetings, he will oftentimes provide stories about these youth, these, these young people who were at our school who left and they often come back or sometimes staff members will run out into them in the community and just to hear the gratitude from them and hear them say, you know, I, I didn't get it while I was there. I know I didn't listen to you. I know I gave you guys so much trouble, but just know that you saved my life. What you guys did for me saved my life. What you guys did for me provided that platform, provided that solid grounding for me to achieve where I am now. We've got some of the students that have left our school and they are doing great things, business owners, very successful lives, very successful and healthy relationships, which is a huge struggle for a majority of the kids that we work with at our school. So even though there were instances where we didn't see that progress, we didn't see them getting it, they are getting it. So continue to sow those seeds, continue to press forward, continue to care and share for the these young people that we are investing our time, our energy, and our love into. And with that, I'm going to go into my youth of the week. My youth of the week is a young lady by the name of Kiara Nergen. This article I'm going to read from is from www.connectafrica.net. Connect is spelled with a K. K-O-N-N-E-C-T, www.connectafrica.net. How 17-year-old Kiara Nergen invented a solution to the South African drought. In 2017, which this article is from October 24, 2017. In 2017, South Africa went through its worst drought in 35 years, with more than 2.7 million households facing water shortages across the country. There were also increased job cuts in the agriculture sector as farmers sell off their land due to a lack of access to funds. South Africa's worst drought in recorded history has left eight of the country's nine provinces in a state of disaster, with thousands of communities and millions of households facing water shortages. As the drought progressed, a glimmer of hope came through 17-year-old Kiara Nergen when she developed a solution to the drought that's effective, biodegradable, and cost-effective. 16 at the time, St. Martin's High School, Johannesburg schoolgirl Kiara Nergen of India and South African origin won the, Go the Google Science Fair's Community Impact Award for the Middle East and Africa with her submission, No More Thirsty Crops, in 2016. Research and a love for the sciences apparently come naturally to Kiara. Nergen is quoted as saying in her research report, I sought to create a product that can improve soil quality, preserve water, and resist drought, therefore producing a better environment for crops to grow. If the idea was commercialized and applied to real farms and real crops, I definitely think the impact that drought has on crops would be reduced. I wanted to minimize the effect that drought has on the community, and the main thing it affects is the crops. That was the springboard for the idea. Kiara's knack for science led her 
to her kitchen where she discovered that peels of oranges and avocados can transform into SAPs under UV radiation and heat. Her research drove her to win the grand prize at Google Science Fair 2016. The brilliance of the 45-day-long project is that it does not involve expensive resources. The SAP can be created using only electricity and fruit peels and can hold up to 300 times their weight in liquid. By combining orange peels and avocado skins, Kiara created a super-absorbent polymer SAP that can store reserves of water about 300 times its weight in liquid relative to its own mass, according to the Teens Project page. This allows it to form reservoirs that farmers can use to maintain their crops at a low cost. The mixture is also sustainable as it is made of recycled and biodegradable waste products. The polymer had the added benefit of sustainability as it uses recycled and biodegradable waste products. Typical SAPs are expensive, not biodegradable, and are composed of composed of acrylic acid, sodium, hydroxide, and other chemicals. In addition to being more environmentally friendly, Kiara's orange peel SAP can absorb 76.1% of water, which is a greater amount than the acrylic starch and pectin SAPs, which are all held 74% or less, according to her study. The teen's mixture is also much more cost-effective than SAP than chemical SAPs. Kiara found an ideal material that won't hurt the budget in simple orange peel, and through her research, she created a way to turn it into soil. Ready water storage with help from the avocado, said Andrea Cohen, product program leader of the Google Science Fair. The process was a trial and error process, which a lot of experimentation before aligning, alighting on the perfect formula. She combined the skin of peel and the and left the mixture in the sun where she reacted where they reacted together to form the powerfully absorbent polymer for the next step in developing the polymer kiara said she would like to experiment further with water filtration and oil removal from water as well as creating large amounts of the orange peel sap to apply to crops such as maize and wheat in poor south african communities as a regional winner, Kiara was assigned a mentor from Google to work with her on developing the polymer and hopes it could be tested in the field. She will soon discover if she is one of tech's giant 16 global finalists. Kiara Nergen also made room for herself in the Times 30 Most Influential Teens list in the year 2016, joining the list along with many popular personalities like Kylie Jenner, Maisie Williams, and Maddie Ziegler, she made it to the top 30 through her scientific aptitude. Kiara has always been concerned about her society and how she can improve conditions. In 2015, she had participated in a clothes-to-good community challenge where she collected 277 bags of clothes. She was prized for collecting the most number of clothes, which were then donated to charity. Kiara says she draws inspiration from renowned Indian scientist M.S. Swaminathan and aspires to work towards sustainable agriculture development. That is absolutely awesome. So again, we get a story of a young person that not only found or not only 
looked at the world and said, I want to make it better, but actually took a step further and did something about it through science, which is also a very rare thing. So, you know, congratulations to Kiara on her exciting discovery. And hopefully this will not only solve some of the soil problems in South Africa, but also can be something that can be produced and used around the world in many other areas. So, uh, you know, just fantastic story. And and as I've uh, said in some of the earlier shows, haven't said much, if you have any stories of any youth that have done anything significant where they're impacting their community or overcome some huge challenge or struggle that they've been dealing with, please submit those to me. You can either email me at abiyshow at gmail.com or you can go to the YouTube page or the uh, Facebook page, ABIY Show, and leave a message through Facebook. Or you can go to the post from any of my social media, the ABIY Show on, uh, what's that thing called? Instagram. That's it. On uh, Instagram or, again, as I said, on Facebook, leave a comment. Uh, leave the information, and I would love to feature some of the youth that are in the communities of the places that are listening to the show. So with that, I'm going to pause so we can get ready to tell you the why and how and who and all of those fantastic things about myself and this wonderful show. Appreciate you listening. I'll be right back. All right, folks, I am back to talk about my story, tell you a little bit about myself and where I came from. So one of the things that I've been asked a number of times throughout my life is, where does your passion for uh, where does your passion for working with youth come from? And I always tell the story, and it's, it seems a little bit weird to people, but this passion of mine actually started when I was in second grade, believe it or not. So I grew up in St. Louis County area, and my mom was a school teacher when I was in elementary school. She worked at a school in South County on the South Side. So she was working for the St. Louis City Public School District while I was out in the suburbs, and we were on different schedules. So oftentimes when my mom was still in school, but my brother and I were off school, my mom would ask us if we wanted to go. And a couple of times my brother went, but I remember I always wanted to go. Now, mind you, I was only in second grade at the time, and my mom was teaching kindergarten at the time, but I always liked going and working with those kids. Now, they were only a couple of years younger than me, but there was just something about reaching back and helping out and being a support to other people that you know I just loved which again shows why I continued to go and you know my brother he would always elect to stay home after going one or two times that I can remember so my my desire for that came out of that and then furthermore my reasoning or my feelings about working with troubled youth with difficult youth, quote unquote, difficult youth came because my mom had a student in her class, a young man by the name of Roy, who was a troubled young 
boy, he would give my mom fits. Not really, but he, he had some behavioral issues. Man, I remember my mom talking about him quite a bit. And she would talk about the frustration, but she's like, oh, I just love Roy, you know, even though he drives me crazy. And so just that whole mentality of really caring for and really looking at those who are considered challenging became something that I guess became ingrained in me from just listening to my mom talk about it. So all through my life, as I look back on my life, I realized that I've always been that guy that's always reached back. Like I remember when I first started going to the Lutheran school, we we moved. And so I switched schools. I started going to a private Lutheran school and it was K through eight. And I remember as an older kid, because I started in fifth grade, so I was always on the, the upper level. I remember always just being one to really engage with the young kids and talk to them and get to know their names and give them high fives and all of that stuff. And we ended up at one point with some people that, you know, we knew, and I can't even remember how we knew them, but a family that we knew. And one of the girls who went to the school was a part of this family. And her mom was telling my mom that she was saying how all the kids really liked me because I would take the time to actually speak to them and acknowledge them, where I guess most of the older kids would just kind of ignore them. So I've just always been that guy that just love to interject and interact and help people who are younger and work with them. So I remember those days. And again, just where my mindset is, is just different. I remember as I started to get older, I started going to the basketball camp at the high school, Lutheran High School North, uh, where you heard uh, Jason Greer, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were talking about it. And I remember going to the basketball camp as a youngster. And while I'm going to the camp, my mind was not set on, I can't wait to develop these skills so I can get to high school so I can play basketball for Lutheran North and go on to be one of the greats at Luther North, which I did do, if I must say so myself. <laughs> but but my mind, I was like excited about growing up to become a counselor at the camp. Bizarre, I know. But the reality is that's where I was. That's where my mind was at the time. So it's, you know, it's just, it's really, it was just really always been in my mind to really want to reach back and really want to help. And even my thinking towards helping out those youth who are, quote unquote, troubled or difficult, even was displayed during that time. And again, while I was doing it, I didn't realize what was going on. But as I got older and I started to look back, I realized that, man, you've always had a love for not only working with youth, but in particular, working with these challenging youth. So. There's this one particular situation that I'm going to talk to you about here in just a minute, but I'm going to pause for just a moment. So let me tell you a little bit about how the radio situation got started for myself. Now, I know I said I was going to finish up a story. I'll get to that. So. The way that the Always Believe in You story came about was through my mentor, Tim Coach Papa Stewart, 
and the radio show that he runs, which is called Two Ball Guys with Rancher Ron. Now, at the time where they started the radio show and my involvement with anything to do with radio, they were called Two Ball Guys and the Microphone. And they were operating out of a small FM radio station out in Harvard, Illinois. So I remember they started around September of, I believe it was 2016. And I remember listening to it. They came on Monday mornings from 6 to, initially 6 to 8 a.m. And then they started coming on from 6 to 9 o'clock. But that's neither here nor there. So I remember January of 2017, I called Tim, or just before January 2017, I called Tim and said, are you guys doing the show on January 2nd? And he said, well, yes, of course. So I asked if I could come into the studio just to be an observer, just to sit around, because my goal for 2017 was to get around people who are productive, people who are actively pursuing their goals and their dreams, people who are getting it done. So, of course, Tim's like, yes, you can come in the studio. Absolutely. You know, we'll be in there and then you can even come out to breakfast with us afterwards if you'd like. So I'm like, absolutely. So I show up on January 2nd, 2017 to the studio and Tim looks at me and says, all right, there's your chair right there. Those are your headphones. You'll use this mic here. If you have to cough or anything, just push this red button to mute your microphone. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I, I told you I just wanted to come here just to be here and observe and just to get around you. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know you said that, but you honestly think I'm going to let you drive an hour to get here just to sit? He's like, absolutely not. You've got something to say. You've got a message for people that, that that's worthy of them hearing. So we're going to get you on the air. So I participated that particular day, got on the air. And they he and uh, both Kent, that was my first time meeting Kent Jones, who is the second bald guy of two bald guys. And so I met those guys and they're like, hey, anytime you're available, you're more than welcome to come into the studio. So I was like, okay, that's cool. So, of course, there were days where, because I work at the school, there are days where we would have off. And so I would go back and do the show. And I actually brought a couple of guests along the way. So it was a real nice, fun atmosphere. And then somewhere around summertime of 2017, I get a call. And it's Coach... Kent Jones and Ron Holstry, Rancher Ron, who is the third member of Two Ball Guys with Rancher Ron. And they were saying, well, you know what, Damon, we really enjoy having you on the show and our listeners enjoy when you're on the show as well. So we actually want to have you become a permanent fixture of the show. We'll have a segment for you about 10 minutes or so. We'll call it Dialogue with Damon. And you come on, give your perspective on the topic, and then we'll just kind of have a conversation. We want it to be more conversational. So I was like, okay, pretty cool. No big deal. So I did that. And so I was on every day for a week. I happened to be able to go into studio when they did their year anniversary last year. That was a fun time. And then they come up with this huge announcement. 
we are starting our own internet radio station. I was like, wow, that is amazing. So when I heard about that, it was pretty cool. So they talked about that on air. And then after we left, I went out to eat with Coach Papa. And he starts laying out the plan. Yeah, we we hooked up with this company and we're doing this internet station. We're going to have our show. And one of our visions for the station is for you to have your own show. Okay. Was not prepared for that, was not ready for that. But I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not. But we really didn't talk about it. He was just saying, you know, eventually you you have your own show is kind of what we're envisioning for you and for our station. We think it'd be good for our station. So I mull over the idea and I, I, you know, leave and spend a couple of days, you know, just thinking about it. And it dawned on me, it's like, why not? Why not? What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. So the next step, obviously, is to come up with the concept. Well, as I talked about earlier in the show, I've always had this passion and desire to help youth and young adults. So I thought, how could I be of service? How could I be of value to youth and young adults? And again, the thought started going. I was like, well, there's a couple of ways that I can do that. I can just create a show geared strictly for youth and young adults. But let's be honest, youth and young adults do not listen to talk radio. It's not going to happen. But a way that I can get through to them is by talking to caring adults, people that work with and care for these youth and young adults. So start mulling over the concept and came up with that, with this idea. My, my catchphrase is the always believe or always believe in you. So naturally, why not have the always believe in you show? So I started coming up with concepts and ideas and I came up with, I have a show and I'll spend a little bit of time where I talk to you caring adults, just providing you with some information, some things that I've researched or things that I've seen or observed in which you could use that information to further yourself in your abilities in working with youth and young adults and your capabilities and abilities to connect and influence youth and young adults. But I thought, why not take it one step further? Why not provide a benefit, not only for them personally, but a benefit or a value, bring some form of value in which you can take the information and directly share it or infuse it into those youth and young adults that you work with. How could I do that? Well, obviously get some other people on the show because as you can probably tell from listening to me, carrying a show is very difficult and it's just, it's a lot. So I would much rather have someone else be that voice that can speak to those young people and give them an idea of something that they can do with their lives. So how do I do that? Why don't I interview people? And then the thoughts just kept coming more and more. So the purpose of my interviews, for those who, of you who don't know, the purpose of my interviews is for workers and caring adults to use it as a career day type of scenario in which you are showing and sharing these interviews with youth and young adults that you work with so they get a glimpse of a profession or a 
business idea that maybe they never thought of, or maybe it sparks the idea for them to go on and do something with their lives in the field of entrepreneurship. So it, it just all kind of blended together. I ran the idea by uh, Ron and Tim and Kent, and you know they were like, man, that is fantastic. I think that's going to be a great show. I think you got something on your hands. And then with that, I started reaching out to different people. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I would love to interview you for the show. And I was just getting a lot of positive responses. So that's how the Always Believe in You show came to be about. Now, who am I and what led up to me being in that position? So about, I don't know how many years ago, years ago, when I graduated from college, 96, so uh, however, 20 some odd years ago, I made, uh, I, I met, I ran into a couple of guys that I knew or a guy that I knew through one of my college basketball teammates. So I'm working at the sports camp at the University of Missouri. And I see this guy that uh, I met through one of my college basketball teammates and, you know, just, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he tells me that, uh, or I, I asked him, what is he doing with himself? And he's like, oh, I work at the hospital, University of Missouri Hospital, uh, part-time, because I've got something else that I'm doing that's that's even better. And so I was like, well, forget about this hospital thing. What is this other thing you're doing? Tell me about that. And he's like, oh, I, I'll tell you about it sometime. I'll, I'll run into you. And I'm like, all right, cool. So in the process of, of working at the camp, I run into this guy a couple of more times and I'm like, hey, when are you going to tell me about this thing you're doing that affords you the ability to be able to not work full time at the hospital? And so finally he was like, okay, I, I'll give you a, a I'll, I'll sit down with you and I'll go over it. Now, the reason he didn't want to do that is because at the time he met me, I was a pretty intense partier when I was in college my last couple of years. And so that was the image he had of me. So he didn't look at me as somebody that would be interested in pursuing anything. So anyway, he uh, he he exchanged numbers. He comes over. So he's got this business concept that he wants to share with me. So he invite, or I invite him over. He comes over to the house. Me not what's, knowing what's going on. You know, I'm again, I'm fresh out of college, so I'm not looking at things in the big picture. So I greet him at the door. Hey, come on in, sit down. And I was like, hey, you want a beer? So I'm drinking this 22-ounce bottle of beer. And he kind of looks at me with this look like, I knew this was going to be a waste of time. So he's like, nah, not really. So he sits down and he starts sharing his plan with me, explaining everything to me. And I'm like, okay, man, this, this looks pretty cool. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, tell me more. And he was like, all right, well, uh, why don't you come to this meeting that we're having in two weeks, whatever the case may be. I don't remember exactly. So I ended up going. Turns out this was the Amway Corporation and I had no previous knowledge. Uh, so I, I'd heard about it, but didn't really know what it was. But I liked the business concept. I liked the idea. I liked the concept of network marketing. So I got into it. And along with that business model, they also have a system in which they 
educate and motivate people to keep them going, keep them encouraged to continue on with the business. So it was through that that I got introduced to motivational speaking. And through that, I ended up hearing a guy by the name of Les Brown. Completely fell in love. Like, man, this is amazing. I love listening to him talk. I love hearing him speak power to people. And it was also a concept that they used at the rallies and seminars and big conventions that they had. These people who had become ultra successful within the business would speak to us and they would tell us their stories, but they would really speak and encourage. And I was like, man, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So it no longer became a thing of wanting to be this big diamond in the business. And what I just, I wanted to be on stage and speak power to people, speak life into people and encourage people to pursue and chase their dreams. So this became a dream of mine, and so it stayed on my mind, but I never really pursued it. I continued to, uh, you know, just work regular jobs. I worked at a school for a while, which was great, and then I ended up, uh, I ended up moving up to the Illinois area, and I still had this goal in my mind: I want to be a speaker. So I, I ended up attending this church up in Zion, Illinois. And I remember sitting in the men's group and I spoke to the guys and was like, I'm, I want to be a motivational speaker, but not just in a traditional sense. I want to speak to youth and young adults. I want to go to middle schools and high schools and speak to that population. And I remember the pastor, you know, basically telling me, like, I don't think that's what you should do. I don't think you should use your gifts for the world. He felt like your gifts should only be used for the church and that's it. So I ended up shelving the idea, didn't want to do it anymore. Well, not didn't want to do it anymore, but decided to follow this person's advice and not pursue it. Fast forward a number of years, I'm in a situation where I'm working with or I'm, I'm involved with someone. They're doing a particular business, they're struggling, they're not feeling so great about themselves or about what they're doing. So I started listening to these messages again because I was looking for ways to help keep them motivated and inspired. In the process of listening to these videos or listening to these speeches and messages on these videos on YouTube, it began to bubble up in me that desire to want to speak again. So I ended up through working and talking with uh, the person I was with at the time about, hey, you know what? This is my dream. This is what I want to do. I want to pursue this. So I ended up leaving a corporate job where I was making a decent amount of money, not a lot, but a decent salary. I left that, had a little bit of money to hold me over, thinking that this was going to happen in a really short period of time. And unfortunately, a lot of things did not go as planned. A lot of things fell apart. And I once again got derailed. But in this process, this is where I met Coach Papa. This is where I met Tim Stewart during this time frame when I was in the beginning stages of pursuing this career in speaking. And so through that friendship, through that mentorship from Coach Papa, that interaction, that led me to where I am now. 
Now you may ask, well, again, why, why the love and the passion for youth? Because I remember, now I'm going to tell this story. I've never really spoke about this before in, in a uh, public setting. But I remember being in sixth grade and I had a situation in which I was, I was uh, talking with this girl who was an eighth grader. I was in sixth grade and apparently she liked me. I didn't feel the same way about her, but she invited or she asked me to be her boyfriend. I said, no, she wasn't too happy about that. So she began to, you know, go off on me verbally and say all this stuff. But in the midst of that, she ended up calling me the monkey, a play on my name. And so I didn't feel too good about that, but there was this other guy who was an eighth grader as well. He heard it and he just died laughing. Ah, she called him the monkey. She called him the monkey. And he's just going off about this, goes to school the next day. She called you the monkey. She called him the monkey. Hey, mustn't such and such called him the monkey. So everybody started calling me the monkey. So I went from a certain point in sixth grade, all the way through the majority of eighth grade, being called the monkey almost every single day. And people using that to when they got pissed off at me or just because they wanted to pick on me. So I went through this about two year period of time where every single day I'm being called the monkey and I'm firing back at people. I'm I'm trying to think of mean names to call them. I'm trying to think of, of nicknames to call them. But all the while, I am feeling absolutely miserable. I felt horrible about myself. I didn't think I had any value. I didn't think people saw value in me. And as a result, I didn't see value in myself. So I know personally what it feels like to feel like you're not valuable. I know personally what it feels like to think that you are of no benefit and of no use to anybody in the world. I know what it's like to feel like you're in the dumps. And so because of that experience, I have always wanted to help other people feel their best. I've always wanted to be that guy that encourages other people. Because what I ended up learning over time was that I am valuable, just like every other human being. There's no difference between me and anybody else. And it took a while to get to that point. But one thing that I did realize and I was able to grasp, and I don't know where this came from, but I realized that if I started to see the value in myself and start ignoring what other people were saying about me, that my whole outlook on life would change and I would feel a whole lot differently. And so I was able to do that. And I don't know where I got the strength to do it or where the idea came from. But I just remember I stopped, I stopped reacting to the name calling. And eventually it died down and completely died out to where people didn't even bring it up anymore. Like I never heard the term. I, I think once it stopped in eighth grade, I never heard it after that. Nobody in high school tried to resurface it and bring it back up. It was all because I stopped 
reacting to it. And that's one of the things that I really focus on in trying to help young people who are struggling, who feel like they have no hope and no value, is helping them to understand that they don't have to accept any story that another human being has told them about themselves. You don't have to do that. You can begin to find the beauty and the magic and the wonder within yourself, regardless of what other people say, regardless of how other people feel about you, because they don't have your whole story. You're the one living your life. You know your story. And you have to identify those beautiful, strong points that you have within you and understand that nobody can write your story for you. And as soon as you're able to change the story that you tell yourself, as soon as you're able to write the story you want to see, everything will change for you. And so that is why it's a great part of my mission to continue to speak life, to speak power into the lives of these youth and young adults so that they understand that they do have value. They have value beyond what anybody else knows and understands. And I remember, I'll tell this a brief story before I finish. I remember my freshman year in high school. And this goes to the point of you knowing your story and not worrying about what other people say because of what they see, because there's a lack of knowledge. I remember being a freshman and I'm sitting at the volleyball game and it was the varsity volleyball game. I'm sitting with a group of freshmen and we're talking about just different things. You know, we're all freshmen, we're all new to high school. And then we start talking about what we're going to do later in life. Where do we see ourselves going? I don't have I didn't have a long term picture. But what I did realize was that I did want to go to college and play college basketball. And when I said that, again, this group of people started laughing at me and it made me start to think back to when I was in the middle school and how everybody was laughing at me. But because I had changed the story that I was telling myself about who I am, I was able to not only ignore the laughter, not only ignore what they were believing and perceiving to be true about me. And I understand I was a five foot eight, 145 pound kid, not the specimen of a future college basketball player. But what I understood was number one, there were hundreds of schools out there, not just the ones you see on TV. And I knew that if I worked hard enough, somebody in the country is going to want me to play for them. And I remember saying that to them. Somebody's going to want me to play for them. Now, I could have allowed that laughter to put me back into that dark place that I was in in sixth, seventh, and most of eighth grade. But because of that experience of me writing my own story, me saying, this is my story, this is the story I see for myself, and being able to push through, I worked hard and I was able to get that college scholarship. Not only did I get a college scholarship, I got a full ride, which is not an easy thing to do, particularly at the school I went to because they only had four full scholarships available. Everybody else was on partial scholarship, and I was able to get a full scholarship, and it was because of hard work. But it's just an example of you as a young person being able to ignore everything else that everybody is saying and not let other people's perception of you become your reality. 
Not letting other people's ideas of who you are become who you are. You get the chance to identify that. And the reason you get to identify that is because you have the stuff inside of you to become whatever you want to become in life. And there is nothing or no one that can stop you other than you. And that's my mission to help as many people as possible forge that that message on to the youth and young adults in this country and all around the world to understand the future is in their hands. And the future is bright because of who they are, because of what they possess. And that their story is yet to be written, but they are the authors of their story and no one else. No one's opinion of you has to become your reality. No one's ideas have to be what you feel like should be your ideas. You're all brilliant and wonderful young people who have everything you need to become the successes in the world. And so as long as I am breathing air, I will continue to work towards helping youth and young adults and the people that work with them to get that message across to them so that they understand that their value and their worth is far beyond anything in the world. And I truly believe that. I remember once, uh, before I wrap up here, there was a parent when I was in Columbia, I was working with youth while I was there as well. And there was a parent who came up to me and she said, you know, I just love seeing you work with these kids. I mean, you have a way of making them feel like they're worth a million bucks. Without hesitation, I said, it's easy because they're worth far more than that. You can't put a price tag on their lives. And that is my message. My ultimate message is that for any of you Caring adults out there who are listening to this radio show, please continue in your efforts and in your vigor to continue to uplift these young people, see them where they can be, help them find the beauty and the magic and the, the, the spark that they have inside of them. Because without us, they won't make it. They won't make it or they'll have a hard time making it. So continue to push on, continue to breathe life into these young people, and please, whatever you do, don't ever give up, even when things don't look great, don't ever give up on these young people, because they will either rise up to or fall down to the level of expectation that we place upon them. So with that, I'm going to end the show. Again, I appreciate your time. Uh, Tune in every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. And you can catch episodes coming soon to the ABIY show on YouTube. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep striving, stay humble, and always believe in you. Till next time.